on today's Pedone My Take, we are going to be joined by the offices, Bob Vance. That's right. Hollywood actor Robert Schaffer is going to join the show. We're going to celebrate the you know the Browns bye week the right way. I know it's in a stressful time in the world right now with the presidential election and everything going on in the world. We're going to leave that all out of it and we're going to talk to Bob Vance. We're going to get into some Browns bye week grades and break down where the Cleveland Browns are at this current moment halfway through the regular season. Give out some NFL midseason awards and after all of that we're going to preview week 9 of the NFL season. But first Pedone my take is brought to you by my good friends at dugoutmugs.com. The World Series of Baseball is over, and as you saw, the LA Dodgers are World Series champions, but the Cleveland Indians are making moves, so my guys at Dugout Mugs are here to help you celebrate the MLB offseason, even if you hate the Dodgers and you're upset with those tribe moves. Visit dugoutmugs.com and you're going to get a free Cleveland Indians knob shot, a perfect little shot glass, hollowed out a real knob of a baseball bat, and turned into a shot glass for free all you have to do is pay that shipping and handling help you get through the mlb off season together while you're there check out all the great beer mugs and shortstop whiskey glasses to watch your favorite team ace this off season get your free knob shot though today to get you started at dugoutmugs.com slash padone that's dugoutmugs.com slash my last name padone to get your free knob shot But the Browns are five and three. And first, before we get to Bob Vance, we got we got to talk Browns, right? That's who we are. This is a Cleveland Browns town, and it was ugly on Sunday. And it doesn't feel like this team is five and three. I know Baker Mayfield has said that at nauseum, but it's true. And it was an ugly loss to the Vegas Raiders, who came into town three and three. Um. As far as this game is concerned, I just feel like the Browns were out-toughed. And I know we could sit here today on Wednesday, you know, four days after the game, and we could say, oh, well, it, it was bad weather, the Browns are banged up. Well, listen, this is Cleveland, Ohio, for one. This is the AFC North Division, there's going to be bad weather. The Browns lost that game up front. And I, I know you guys wanted, to, you know, don't want to hear about the bad, so let, let's not harp on the bad and let's look at the good in the last two games that the Browns have played Baker Mayfield has been the, the, the team's best player and if you disagree with me as always tweet the show at Padone my take tweet me at Nick Padone 12 on this Wednesday evening I thought Baker has played really well over the last two games and he was plagued by drops in the loss to the Vegas Raiders and some uncharacteristic drops at that Jarvis Landry, you know, with some troubles, uh, just, just things that you don't expect. Obviously they're without Odell Beckham Jr. at this point, but to me on Sunday, as I watched my favorite football team get out toughed out manned, and it, it seemed like a West coast team came to Cleveland and played a Cleveland brand of hard-nosed AFC North football. A dome team came from the West Coast and did that to the Browns. And their injuries aren't an excuse, but this is a team that looks like they needed the bye week. And I, I loved when the schedule came out and we played the schedule game. 
that the midseason buy, I thought that was going to play very well to the Browns' strengths in being a run-heavy team. Obviously, nobody project, projected Nick Chubb to go down with that MCL sprain, right? That was kind of a freak thing. But we knew that a game, football is a game of injuries, right? We knew that there were, were going to be guys that got banged up here and there. But this, to me, when when I look at it from top down, yes, that wins that that win would have been nice, and that loss sucked. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't know that that a loss to the Las Vegas Raiders means all that much for this team. To me, when I look at the schedule game, you still got to beat Pittsburgh, who's undefeated, and we'll talk about them at the end of the show when we whip around the NFL. You got to beat Baltimore, and all you have to do now is beat the teams that are in front of you. You're right. You've won five throughout the first eight. That's a really, really, really good thing. Five out of the first eight. Had I given fans that when the schedule drops, saying, hey, the Browns are going to win five of their first eight, and from whatever happens there happens, in a year with coronavirus that they've thankfully avoided, in a year with that expanded playoff spot, you're going to win five of eight. Okay, that, give me that. that. Those odds are in our favor. That's good. But the other good thing is you can only play who's in front of you. And the Browns have a favorable schedule ahead. And we've talked about that ad nauseum. But you come back from the bye with a healthy Nick Chubb. Should be a healthy Wyatt Teller. We'll preview this game a little bit next week against the Houston Texans and what's left of Romeo Cornell. And I know that... It's, it's perfectly fair to be worried about this Browns defense. But I feel like you play the Houston Texans. You play the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, you, you still have both New York teams on this schedule. Obviously, the two divisional games are going to be big, including, in my opinion, I think that Pittsburgh game in the last week of the year is going to be big. It's at home. It's going to be cold. And I think it could have seeding implications. But as I look at this team now... At the bye, despite fans being upset, I I just can't I can't be too down and out about this team. And we do have a comment here. It says every single receiver needs to get on the jugs machine for every single bye week. And and I agree with that. Every single practice of this bye week, the the team needs to get in there and be better. Obviously, they had the coronavirus scare a couple days ago before the trading deadline. But I think life as a Cleveland Browns fan, as we know it right now, is okay. And, and let's talk some trade deadline briefly before we before we bring in Bob Vance at 8.15 uh, East Coast time here. Listen, I hear the frustration from Cleveland fans. I really do. You wanted Andrew Barry to make a move. I did too. That's the thing. I wanted to see Andrew Barry go into the deadline at 4 p.m. and make another Ronnie Harrison type deal where you give up a mid-round pick and get a younger guy that was in a bad botched situation and, and get a little bit in return. I think that could have been a type move to really benefit the Browns and they weren't able to pull that off. What I'm not going to do is write off this team or get way too upset like I saw some people do on Twitter before my Twitter just went all election this week. There was a lot of upset people, and I guess I just want to understand why. And we talked about this last week. I'll bring it up again quickly before Bob Vance comes on and joins us here. Listen, when the schedule came out, when Kevin Stefanski was hired, if we want to even back this thing up pre-draft... We looked at the roster and we said, we're not doing this again this year. That's what I said going into this season. We're not doing this again this year. 
Last year, we we read our own press clippings. We were very excited as a fan base, and that's what fans are supposed to do. Freddie Kitchens let us down miserably. The expectations we didn't even come close to living up to. It was one of the most disappointing things as a sports fan that I've ever endured in my in my short career as a fan and my or my short life as a fan, shorter career working in the media. It was a disappointment. So this year we weren't going to do that. And this year was supposed to be just a small step in the right direction. Let's see what Kevin Stefanski could do. Let's see if this Cleveland Browns team can become, you know, 500. Let's see if they could have a winning season. Let's see if they could crack the wild card when the CBA was finalized and we found out that there was going to be an extra playoff spot this season. I get that it's so easy to be upset because I so badly, I hear you Browns fans. I wanted J.J. Watt. That would have been fun. I wanted Miles Jack. That would have been fun. And this defense needs guys like that. This defense is not in a pretty spot as we stand you know, today here on November 4th. I hear you, and here's what I advise you to do. Go on to Browns.com and look at that Cleveland Browns defensive depth chart. It's just not a very talented bunch. And I know Browns fans don't want to hear that, but there are so many holes in that defensive unit that one trade, two trade, three trades at the deadline, which is always unlikely in the NFL, much more likely in the NBA, that's not going to reshape the entire integrity and the entire core of the Browns defense. What the Browns defense is right now, what the Browns defense is right now is two guys, 95 21, and hell, I'll even throw 33 in there. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and Ronnie Harrison. Outside of those three core players, I'm not sure what the Browns have. I am sure what the Browns have, and it's a bunch of quality depth pieces, which that's not a bad thing. I think BJ Goodson, I think Mac Wilson, those guys would be phenomenal linebackers in a situation where your starters were injured. In a situation where you might have had somebody fail a drug test or gets the flu or, you know, in this weird season and who knows what next season will look like, tests positive for COVID-19. But those linebackers, Andrew Sandejo, Carl Joseph, Larry Ogunjobi, I'm willing to throw his name into that conversation at this point. I'm not sure that those type of guys, I know for a fact that those type of guys aren't starters on a team that's going to play in an AFC championship game. And that's not a bad thing because back this conversation up to just about two minutes ago, the Browns this season were just supposed to be scratching the surface. We went last we went from worst to first is what we were trying to do last season. And I so badly wish in a weird type of tormented way that Baker Mayfield historic rookie season didn't happen. That the Odell trade didn't happen. That Nick Chubb didn't burst onto the scene like gangbusters and be an all-pro caliber running back. You know why? Because those things set us up for so much disappointment as fans, but we're taking steps in the right direction now, slowly. You know, everybody wanted it to be the Kansas City Chiefs overnight. Well, John Dorsey built that team. He had Kareem Hunt, who he brought here. He drafted Patrick Mahomes and now drafted Baker Mayfield, who should be what be doing what Mahomes is doing. I understand that. And we're going to get to Bob Vance here in about 30 seconds. I know that's what everybody's hanging on for to see Mr. Vance from Vance Refrigeration.
but just hear me out for one second. Rome wasn't built in one day. And to put that in NFL terms, the Kansas City Chiefs weren't built in one day. The Seattle Seahawks, the New England Patriots, these flash-in-the-pan type teams never work. And we witnessed that last year. In the NBA, in the MLB, where there's no salary cap, and you know the teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers could just buy players. In the NBA, where you know blockbuster trades happen in the middle of the night, where free agency is such a big deal, and you have p- certain players on certain teams trying to form super teams in destination cities. In the NFL, life doesn't work like that. It's a process. Things need to be built up slowly and after the deadline I was disappointed and I tweeted let's not call for Andrew Barry's job let's relax because the arrow on this Browns team still trends upward and and if you don't think that arrow does drop that below because I want to hear from you do you think the Browns at on November 4th do you think the Browns are still trending upwards because I do so without further ado I know this is the act that everyone is waiting for. Heck, this is what I'm waiting for. I'm a huge fan of The Office. I've loved the show. um, And Bob Vance was grateful enough to come on and join us tonight. So without further ado, joining us now... From Los Angeles, California, is Robert Schaffer. You might know him best from his role on NBC's The Office, where he played Bob Vance. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration. All righty, so joining me now on the show, super fun guest for us today. We're joined by Bob Schaefer, also known as Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration. My first question for you, Bob, what line of work are you in, my friend? I'm in the keeping it cool business, baby. <laughs> Love to hear it. I like to think I'm in the keeping it cool business as well, too. Just we do it a little bit different ways. You know, the office is a huge show now and it feels like it has been for a really long time at the time that you guys were recording it. Did you know that it would ever get quite this big? Uh, <laughs> of course not. It's never happened before in the history of television. What's happened with this show. I mean, it's a phenomenon. Like you said, it's bigger now when it's off than when it was on. I mean, right. when has that ever happened? Thank you, Netflix. Um, you know, the audience, the, the audience changed when we were on the air on NBC. Uh, our typical demographic was 30 to 40 year olds with household incomes of $100,000 plus, which is why NBC loved it, because they bought all the goodies from NBCstore.com, where you can go get your advanced refrigeration gear. Please go get some. Um, the hoodie and also I love the travel mug. I should have brought it with me. Um, now, the demographic is 11, 12, 13-year-olds. I, <laughs> I went to Scranton a couple years ago to throw out a pitch at the Rail Riders game. That's the New York Yankees AAA Farm Club. And somehow they, they talked me into a dunk tank, which I'll never do again because these kids were ringers. <laughs> I kept hitting that water. It was, you know, I mean, it was cold and rainy, too. And... Um, so I was signing autographs for six innings, you know, sitting at a table and uh, the whole line was kids. They were 11, 12, 13 years old. And they, they would walk up and hand me these DVDs and, you know, pictures and whatnot and say, you know, I, I'm binge watching it for the you know 15th time. And I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, charge there. 
the devotion to the series is obviously, uh, I mean, I th probably the Star Trek enthusiasts, you know, they laid claim to this uh, territory first. Uh, so it's not, you know, when I said it's unparalleled, it, it is in modern television history. Yeah, definitely. You know, let's take back to the infancy of the show. A lot of people don't know that Phyllis was a casting director for the show. That's kind of, that was her role behind the scenes. What was the callback process like for The Office? And take me through that day where you got the role. Well, um, thank you for asking. It, it's a funny story. Um, when I read for the part, um, you know, I'd seen a couple of the first episodes. It was written up in the uh, LA Times calendar section, which, you know, if you're in the business, you have to read that every day. And uh, so I read about it and I thought, well, let me watch this. And it was weird. I was like, what, what is this? You know, the, the mockumentary style threw, it threw everybody at first, right? Right, for sure. All the actors who came on the set were thrown by it until they made the adjustments, uh, even the pros pros, right? So, um, I go to meet, I'm just happy to have the meeting. It's with Allison Jones, who's the premier comedy casting director in LA. I go there and it's normally about a 15 minute drive for me to get to her office. Well, there's traffic everywhere. <laughs> it takes me a half an hour. I'm late. I'm the last guy of the day. I didn't realize that it was Halloween. <laughs> Halloween in Hollywood, it's, you know, it makes Mardi Gras look like, uh, you know, a, a church festival. I mean, it, <laughs> everybody's in costumes because I finally I figured it out I'm like oh hell it's Halloween so I go running I'm sweating I'm the last guy they're waiting for me and I'm you know who likes that I mean I'm a punctual person so uh, that adds stress but anyway I nailed the I nail it and I could tell that she liked it so but I didn't hear anything for two weeks and then I get the call back the call back took place at Chandler's our studios over in Van Nuys and uh, the director of the episode was really the guy making the call there, although Phyllis was there. And there was some serious competition. I mean, this was a, you know, coveted part, even though the show was on unsteady footing at the time. So I, I read, and then they had me do all this improv. Uh, and I didn't really know who the character was. I had no idea. I mean, I was winging it. <laughs> And uh, as you always are in these things, right? Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Bob, you see Michael. There's Michael looking at your at your car. React. <laughs> Michael, what are you doing? You know, I mean, what do you do with that? So uh, Phyllis was in the room and there was a lot of people in the shadows, you know, I mean, as, as there always are. Yeah. And I think she made the call. I mean, it was her call. And uh, the next morning, I went from the callback to being first up on the call on the uh, shot sheet the next morning. You know, a lot of people, one of the cringiest episodes, at least for me, you got Scott's tots and then you have Phyllis's wedding. You talk about some of the improv with Michael. Bob Vance was not a big fan of Michael Scott. What was it like working with Steve Carell? Because he's obviously hilarious. He was one of the guys that really made the show, you know, what it is today. What was that like for you? Uh, listen, I'm a huge fan. I mean, uh, People always ask me about that. How did you not laugh? Well, because Bob doesn't find uh, Michael Scott the least bit funny. Right. Right. He, he, I, so, you know, he would make me snicker every now and then. I mean, with, speaking of Phyllis's wedding, 
the, the one of the deleted scenes that ended up on the outtake reel uh, was him. Uh, there's a fart joke. We do a fart joke, and <laughs> he's <coughs> he says the word pungent. Well, every time he says the word pungent, he loses it. He he just breaks up. He can't say the word. <laughs> this goes on for about a half an hour. I mean, every time he says it, he loses. So now everybody's laughing, and I can hear all the producers and director. You know, everybody was down to monitors on a, it was two story uh, deal we were at there, but I could hear them down at the monitors laughing. You know, I was standing outside the door, and I'm like, "Do not laugh. <laughs> Do not laugh." Because again, you know, uh, there were a few times he got me, but not really. He never broke me, you know. I mean, uh, that's the 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 first intros when Bob Vance comes in. So Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, the famous lines. Yeah. Oh yeah. The uh, I, Ryan broke on that first take. I, I nailed him. I mean, he he didn't make it. So it's famous because he he fell apart. But I just hit them with such big energy, you know, they weren't expecting it because there were the three kings of drolls standing there waiting for me. Stanley, Kevin, and Ryan. I mean, come on. What are you going to do? So my thought was, I'm coming in. I'm going to hit these guys really hard with big energy. They're not going to know what hit them. Because Bob is a super salesman is what Bob Vance is. I mean, right. that's all he's doing. I mean, it's not that complicated. I, all these people, all these fans have all these silly theories and there's Scranton Strangler and the mob, you know, the writers had, uh, the writers had some, they wrote some, uh, off screen jokes about Bob that, you know, didn't really, in my mind, I was never playing any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, you talk about some of those outtakes, some of those have made their way to the internet, you know, where NBC kind of splices up the best of and stuff like that. You talk about the deleted scene from Phyllis's wedding, you know, the classic Bob Vance, Vance refrigeration handshake scene. Is there a moment for you that's kind of an underrated moment that really, when you sit back and you watch the show, it's like, damn, that is really funny. Well, there's a bunch, all of them are, I mean, the series is, you know, I mean, it, I mean, the thing, it, every scene, every character, they're funny. Okay. Right. All of them. All of them. And so it was an incredible uh, array of talent. You know, I mean, it, it used to actually, you know, I remember thinking to myself, where there were some rapid fire exchanges and just being mesmerized by the talent. Just thinking, look at all this talent. Any one of these people could have their own show. You know, that's how good yeah. all these people are. I mean, so it's magical when you get a cast like that and the writing is, you know, also exemplary because it's the writing in TV, right? People yeah. think, oh, you're improving. No, 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 no. You don't improv anything. The, the, you do it exactly as it's written. It's an NBC show. It's a network show. The network approves every line in the script before you shoot it. It's not a question of you just go have, oh, we'll just wing it. No, <laughs> there's, you know, the only improv that you saw was when John and Steve and rain, uh, we're trying to make each other laugh, you know, and none, none of the other players uh, took those liberties. I mean, you're not there to slow things down. You are there to move the machine along. So you don't, you know, you don't blow takes. That's all I'm saying. A couple times I, <laughs> I snuck a couple of improv lines in, you know, but one time uh, Greg Daniels was not happy with it whatsoever. He was like, uh, could you just do what I wrote? And I'm like, oh wow, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it right away. I'm ready. 
<laughs> that's crazy you know there's always a lot of talk and i feel like there will be for just the rest of time of fans like myself that are just begging for a reboot but you know as somebody that works in media you know you're an actor you've done thing, plenty of other things outside of the office could you explain to people kind of why that's so difficult to pull off and if it were to happen is bob vance in well of course look uh, there's a lot of speculation about it. I mean, it, yeah. it's not coming from idle sources. It's not coming from the fans. This is from the network executives. They're they're trying to figure out how to do it. Well, it's easy. Here, here you go, NBC. It's called Vance Refrigeration. And Bob Vance hires a bunch of people that used to work at Thunder Mifflin. Boom. There you go. There's your series. Wow. Yeah. I like yes, that. I solved the problem of how to reboot it right there. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, they almost got into that there when Sabre kind of links in with Dunder Mifflin. There you go. Sabre uh, sends it to Vance Refrigeration yeah. and the rest is history. Whatever. <laughs> you know, something we talked about before we press record, heard through the grapevine, you're a lifelong Los Angeles Lakers fan. This show is based here in Cleveland. You guys got one of our own LeBron James in Hollywood. How, how are you feeling, champ? Because the Lakers just won it all. Well, it didn't feel like much of a championship, really, without the fans. It's nothing. Right. You know, I mean, that whole thing sucked. So, yeah, we'll take the win. It's number 17. It ties us with Boston. Good thing. I'm, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. He's a little too mouthy for me. Uh, I mean, everybody can have their opinion, but I don't really need your politics. Thank you very much. So, let's move on. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, how is LeBron perceived in L.A.? Because L.A. is kind of a liberal place. A lot of people here in Cleveland had conspiracies like, oh, he left Cleveland. You know, not only are we a red state, the Cavs are owned by Dan Gilbert, who's a very Republican owner. He's kind of right-hand man with Donald Trump. Obviously, Lakers fans, though, are passionate. They're like, it's kind of about rings, not really about your politics. What's the perception? Yeah, I'm talking around? about basketball. I mean, uh, L.A. is a Kobe town. Right. Uh, LA's the Magic Johnson town. I mean, you, you don't win one and the town falls in love with you in Lakerland. I mean, he still has to prove his bona fides. That was Anthony Davis that carried that team. I mean, to me, watching them play this year early in the season, I was astonished by Anthony Davis. I mean, that guy, it, that guy, <laughs> that's who you want. I mean, yeah. if I was starting a franchise right now, that would be my first pick would be Anthony Davis. You know, if you if you don't mind, tell people how'd you how'd you fall in love with the Lakers? Well, I'm a West Virginian, so Jerry West was my guy when I was a kid growing up. I, you know, I mean the six foot four shooting guard. I mean his stats. People should go back and read Jerry West's stats. They'll make LeBron cry. Okay, I mean this this guy did it all. I mean averaged in the playoffs 44, 15, and 12. I mean astonishing stuff. <laughs> And uh, then when I moved to L.A., of course, that's when Showtime began. And I had season seats one year, luckily, at the Forum. And, you know, that was a fun year because you go to, you know, how many, 50 games, 100 games, uh, 60 games you, you, you attend. So you really feel like you're part of it. And I used to have dinner in Jerry Buss's box. I mean, I got to do all kinds of fun stuff at the Forum. And yep. so when they moved to Staples, it sort of changed the, you know, it changed a little bit. I mean, that, that. Uh, that arena was nowhere near the forum. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, so much is made now of like basketball now versus basketball then. Was is it more physical then? Obviously, you had the '90s, you had the Showtime Lakers before that. Now, you know, a lot of complaining about the whistles, a lot of crying around the basket. Where does Bob Vance fall in all that? Well, I'd put the Showtime Lakers up against any squad in history. I mean, yeah. really. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, I mean, because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, really people forget that this guy was unstoppable. I mean, he had the, the best shot ever. The 15-foot baseline skyhook with either hand. Come on. I mean, no one. I mean, I think he got blocked once or twice in his 20-year career. Come on. Nobody can stop that shot. You know, Bob Vance is a, a superstar on Cameo now. Tell people as you sign off here, where could people go check you out on Cameo and get a personal message from Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration? I even do breakups. I did some breakups. So, you know, if you got to deliver some bad news, like, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> I'll do that for you, dudes. I mean, it's cowardly. You should do your own breakups. It's uh, cameo.com, Bobby uh, underscore Ray. Yeah, you love to hear that. Uh, hey, man, thank you so much for joining the show. It was definitely a Appreciate lot of fun. You, Everybody loves The Office. Thanks so much. Well, what's not to love? That's what she said. <laughs> there you go. Thanks so much, man. Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, out. Man, great stuff there. From Bob Vance, Robert Schaffer from NBC's The Office. Fantastic stuff. Not a huge LeBron James guy is Bob Vance thinking that if he would start his own franchise, Anthony Davis, not LeBron, would be the player that he would start said franchise with. Fantastic, hilarious stuff from Mr. Schaffer. Thanks for huge thanks to him for coming on the show. If you need a cameo, like he said, he's done breakups off of cameo so if you need a video from bob vance vance refrigeration make sure to go check him out on there great stuff weird stuff let's get into some bye week grades huh what do you say how about we talk about some browns on this fine wednesday evening so the browns are halfway through their season and i still don't feel like i have like a firm grasp on what this team is on who they are we know some things we know that Kevin Stefanski has been cautious with Baker. He's kind of used him in a game manager type role. We know that the team is definitely run heavy, that they're going to utilize the tight ends, that they're going to pull the guards on the offensive line. Um, and that's going to kind of be their identity there. I'm still looking for what this team's identity is on defense. For a second, we knew that the identity was creating turnovers. And I think that's a good identity to have is a team that's able to, you know, force turnovers. But what concerns me most about the Browns defense is what happens and where do they go when that turnover, that well of turnovers dries up? And boy, did it dry up on Sunday in that 16 to 6 loss versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, something that bugged me that game, time of possession, Browns got murdered. Browns only had the ball on offense six times. So the defensive identity is in question. We're on offense. We kind of know the identity, but sticking to said identity, I would say it would be a little, has been a little bit of a challenge in the three games that they lost. So uh, let's go through the position groups and let's kind of rank where things stand with our favorite football team. So I feel as if when you do that, you need to start with the quarterback. 
Uh, everything starts with Baker Mayfield. It's all on Baker Mayfield. He's been the only quarterback that we've seen this season outside of Case Keenum and garbage time when Kevin Stefanski was being cautious about Baker's ribs. So QB play. This is strictly Baker. I'm not going to throw in that quarter of Case. I'm going to give it a C plus. And I know people are going to be like, Nick, that's harsh. You know, the Browns are five and three. He's progressed from last year. I'm with you. A C is a, is a passing grade barely. I'm giving him a C plus. I think he's shown me enough that he's the guy in Cleveland is Baker Mayfield. He's definitely my franchise quarterback. I'm not wavering. I don't want to see them look to the draft or towards free agency, you know, first round. This, that, and the other. Baker Mayfield's my guy. He's shown me enough. Even in the losses, he's shown me that he can make the throws to keep the Browns involved in football games. And out of a third-year quarterback on his fourth head coach, that's all I can ask for. So I'm going to give Baker a C plus. And the reason why it's not a B or it's not an A is because I think as a quarterback that was drafted based off of swagger, moxie, leadership, and overall winning alpha male mentality you need to bring it in those games against Baltimore and in Pittsburgh and those were the two those were the two bad games that Baker played this year and versus Pittsburgh his ribs looked at an all-time bad the offensive line played their worst game of the season so so he gets some pass there but on the same hand the reason that you were drafted was because of that leadership because of the winning mentality and the winning lifestyle almost I'd be willing to say I I can't give Baker an A or a B I will give him a C plus though which is still good still a passing grade Baker's still my quarterback he's still my guy as we get through these bi-week grades you're gonna see that I I may be a little bit of a harsh grader on a team that's five and three as I go through these rapid fire Tweet the show, man. At Nick Padone 12 is my Twitter. At Padone My Take is the show. Or just drop a comment below. What are your grades for the season so far? Quarterback Baker Mayfield has a C plus. Not bad. So the guys that helped Baker Mayfield out, and really probably the guys that got Baker Mayfield to a C plus, to a passing grade after what I would consider a failing grade last season, what is the running back play? And I know Nick Chubb went down during the game in Dallas. We've seen a lot of Kareem Hunt. Kareem is a completely type of running back than Nick. He's a much better pass catcher. I don't think he runs through the tackles and hits the holes as quickly as Nick Chubb does. He's more of a side-to-side horizontal runner where Chubb is more of a vertical threat. Um... My running back play, though, I have to give an A. And that's an impressive A facing the fact that your RB1 has been out for, you know, for some games here and is coming back, thankfully, supposed to on schedule to be returning after the bye week. But my running back play just has to get an A because that's the identity. And when you finally identify an identity on your team, which technically this A should also be shared with Kevin Stefanski. I would like to give him some props here too because he established the identity that they were going to run the ball and they've been doing it at an extremely effective rate. They're up top of NFL in you know, average rush or average yards per rush. Kareem Hunt really dominates that category. In the passing game, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, when healthy, have brought a completely different variant to what Baker is able to do versus what Freddie tried to do last year. So my running back play, man, that has to get an A. Let's move to wide receivers. This was super hard for me because the Browns had, you know, before the Beckham injury, 
one of the most dynamic receiver tandems in the NFL with Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, sprinkle Rashard Higgins or Kaderil Hodge into that three spot. That's decent, but I'm going to give this group a B, and I think it could be better. I think what damns this group from getting a, from getting an A is the bitter, nasty taste that I have in my mouth from what happened in that Vegas, that Vegas Raiders game. You know, that, that was the most drops that we've seen out of a Browns game since 2018 and Baker's rookie season. And Jarvis had two. David Njoku, who I know isn't a receiver, he'll get clumped in with the tight ends, had a bad drop. It's just... They're doing well enough to get open, which is all I can ask. The whole get Odell involved thing really frustrated me. I'm glad that's no longer a thing, but I feel like the receivers are doing their job. Case in point, they get a B. Tight end play. I'm also going to give a B solely because Harrison Bryant has been such a pleasant surprise for this tight end room. And I don't think I could stress that enough. For as disappointing that David Njoku has been throughout his Browns career, and you, you have the drops, you have the complete inability and unwillingness to become a blocker out of David Njoku. I'm, Harrison Bryant has been the complete inverse of that. He's done everything that's been asked of him. And I just think he's kind of the, the model tight end. He does well in the blocking game. He's been a good pass catcher outside of the fumble. So that's what's going to give my tight end group a, a, a B for the Cleveland Browns. The one thing that's been kind of... Eh, about the tight ends and about the offense in whole, I thought I think Austin Hooper has been a little bit of a disappointment. When we signed Austin Hooper, I knew he wasn't George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. You know, I, I'd even the Saints tight end. You know, those guys are top tier TE one caliber guys. I thought Austin Hooper was going to be just a tier below those dudes. And I don't know if he has been. He got paid a lot of money to be serving as an average tight end throughout eight games. He's only played six of them. He had that appendix surgery. So we still have eight more games of Austin Hooper this year and then a ton more throughout the rest of his Browns career because of that massive contract. But he has been a little bit of a letdown, at least to me. Offensive line play. Let's wrap up the offense with that before we get into the defense. And boy, we do we have to get into the defense. The offensive line play is also going to get a B for me so far on the season because Jedrick Wills has played great in the games that they won and horribly in the three games that they have lost. He His PFF grade graded out horribly against the Vegas Raiders. I don't know what it is, and I'm thankful that I don't know what it is. I've, I suppressed that memory because he played bad against Vegas, and he was getting bullied around, and so was the entire offensive front. So they get a B for me solely because Baker was on his backside in the loss to Pittsburgh and in the loss to... Um, Baltimore, they did a much better job as a unit keeping him up upright, even though it was a loss to the Raiders on Sunday. But to me, the offensive line is just a complete, vast overhaul improvement from what we saw last year with Freddie Kitchens. And I don't think that can that can be said enough that they've done a fantastic job with those guys in Cleveland and getting that group overhauled, bringing in Jedrick Wills, bringing in Jack Conklin the career resurgence of Wyatt Teller that I'm really looking forward to seeing after the bye week can't be uh can't say enough about that offensive line those big boys up front they're getting the job done let's move to the defense and and let's just start ugly let's start ugly with this defense and let's look at the safety uh, I have the safeties for the Cleveland Browns graded at a D 
going into tonight. And that's solely because Ronnie Harrison has played well. The dropped interceptions, though, have plagued him. That pick six that should have been against the Raiders would have been huge. He's dropped a couple picks so far in his Browns career. The safeties on this team have to play better. How much do we have to complain about Andrew Sandejo before we finally get some Sheldrick Redwine snaps? Why is Andrew Sandejo still playing 100% of defensive snaps for this Cleveland Browns defense? I, I'm super curious and I need to see what Joe Woods does after the bye week with Sandejo's snap count because he cannot be playing 100% of the snaps for this defense. And that's why the defensive, the first defensive grade that I'm going to give out tonight goes to the safeties and they're going to get a D. So let's go into the linebacker play, which has been equally bad. And this is tough, guys. I got to give these linebackers an F. Mac Wilson, we were high on him. He's bad. BJ Goodson, he's bad. Guys, I don't even want to talk about it. Malcolm Smith has surprised me. He's played incredibly well, but these linebackers are bad. As we round out the defense, I want to give the defensive line a B. Miles Garrett has done a fantastic job up front forcing that football out. Um, Jeez, you can't say enough about him. Sheldon Richardson has played better this year than he did last year. And Olivier Verdinand is is making plays, especially in the run game. My only complaint with the defensive line is uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Bit of a disappointment out of him so far this season, at least the way that I see it. So we go into cornerbacks. I'm going to give them a B as well, just because Denzel Ward, in my opinion, is exactly what you want out of a cover corner. That's all that I, that I, I could say about them. So it's time for the NFL whip. Guys, this show is moving right along. Uh, Huge thanks to Bob Vance for that. Uh, NFL Whip is presented by BigPlay.com. Big Play, your number one source for live interactive sports talk every night of the week. Give them a follow at BigPlay underscore com so you can watch shows like this one whenever live every night of the week. We whip around the NFL in this segment 15 minutes or less. Let's start off, no better way to do it, with Thursday Night Football, where this game is plagued by the coronavirus, and we knew that there were going to be games that fell into this category this season that were going to have a hard time getting their feet off the ground. And this seems to be the case, even though it looks like it's happening, the Packers are going to travel to San Francisco. Both teams are without key players Uh, due to the coronavirus. Obviously, the 49ers are without a lot of players due to other injury. I think the Packers are just too good of a team this season. You've heard me talk about it all season long when we do this NFL whip segment. I'm a believer in Aaron Rodgers. Even though they're without Aaron Jones, they're probably without Jamal Williams due to COVID-19 contact tracing. I I just have to take the Packers in this one because of what Aaron Rodgers has showed me this season. I know the 49ers at home are at home, but uh, Rodgers is from Cali. It's going to be warm weather. I just can't see how Green Bay loses this game so let's get into the Sunday matchups these are kind of boring guys a disappointing NFL week in my opinion fantasy is going to be a weird week if you have to have a week where you pick a Sunday with no Browns football on to do chores this would be the week because the other games that are on this slate aren't that polarizing let's head to Mercedes-Benz Superdome in Atlanta where the Falcons host the Denver Broncos I think Atlanta could get a win here I don't know what's up with Denver especially having to travel to Atlanta they've been a Jekyll and Hyde team all season um you know they won last week Drew Locke shows you really good things and then shows you really bad things I don't know what to make of that defense yet and Atlanta on the inverse is just a team that will do anything to lose and this is just one of those games where the quarterback experience matters so I'm going to pick the Falcons at home in this one 
um, really for no reason, just because I feel like Matt Ryan outplays Drew Locke, and, and then that's going to be the, the end game in this one. So let's move on. Let's head to Buffalo, where the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson's MVP candidacy continues uh, against the Buffalo Bills. This will be the best of the 1 o'clock games. Obviously, the Bills have been good this year. Some people think they're a fool's gold type of five-win team. I'm actually going to pick the Seahawks in this one on the road just because the pick-your-poison receiver duo in Seattle for Russell Wilson of DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett we haven't seen a game yet where both of those guys get acclimated. Uh, their running back situation should be slightly more balanced. This past week, they were only with DJ Dallas uh, due to Chris Carson breaking his foot, Carlos Hyde dealing with injury. Some of those players should be back for Seattle this week. Not to mention that defense got a little bit of help. They signed Carlos Dunlap, who I expect to be active for this game. Give me Seattle on the road, beating Josh Allen and those Buffalo Bills in a tight, close game. Probably the best of the one o'clocks, though. So we head to Nissan Stadium in Nashville where the Chicago Bears come to town against the Tennessee Titans. I'm a big Vrabel guy. I've talked about it on this show before. And I think Tennessee comes into this game completely pissed off. They were embarrassed by Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals last week. I think this is just revenge game written all over it. Listen, I know the Bears have five wins. They are the definition of fool's gold. They have no quarterback. Outside of Allen Robinson, they really have no offensive talent. Their defense is spotty at best. They're in a similar fashion to the Browns. When they can't force turnovers, I don't know what the Bears' defense really is, especially with a banged-up Khalil Mack. Give me the Titans at home because I think they're going to go into that game playing angry. We head to Indianapolis where this game has playoff implications for the AFC North as the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts do battle. Obviously, the Colts, like the Browns, in a, in a position to be dealing with you know some of those wild card spots. Obviously, an extra one this season. Colts are at home. I think the Ravens get a comeback game here, and it's going to be close. And I, I so badly want to see the Colts win this game. The Ravens are going to be without Marlon Humphrey. There's somewhere seven, eight, nine players that came into contact with Marlon Humphrey who tested positive for COVID-19. Interested to see how that situation plays out in Baltimore. I just think the Ravens are a little bit more talented than the Colts. The Browns were able to beat the Colts. I, I don't know if that bodes well for Indy, even though they're at home. Give me the Ravens on the road in that one as bad as I kind of hate to do that. Where we head to Kansas City, where the reigning Super Bowl champs and Patty Mahomes Chiefs are going to host the Carolina Panthers. Panthers have hit a bit of a skid, but they get Christian McCaffrey back in a huge game. Unfortunately, it looks like the Chiefs are right back into Super Bowl stride. Mahomes looks good. Andy Reid looks good. That defense certainly looks good. I can't pick against the Chiefs. I can't pick against them in Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, give me the Chiefs here just because I think it's going to be too much Patty Mahomes. And, and no disrespect to Carolina because, as you guys know, if you watched the show before, I'm high on the Panthers. I like Matt Rule. I like the receiving core that they have there. Obviously, how can you be a fan of Christian McCaffrey's? But I, I think too much offensive firepower in this one. For the Chiefs, we head to the beautiful U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the Vikings play host to the Detroit Lions. Uh, obviously, Lions don't have to travel very far for this game. Vikings got a win last week 
against the Green Bay Packers. And I feel like this could be a little bit of a turn of the tide type of game for Mike Zimmer's Vikings. Uh, I projected at the beginning of the year that, as did many, that Matt Patricia would be fired from the as the head coach of the Detroit Lions after this year. So I'm going to stand true to that, and I'm going to pick the Vikings at home. I think the Vikings have the momentum. They didn't blow up an abandoned ship like many people expected them to at the deadline. Harrison Smith, Anthony, Anthony uh, Harris, still two key players on that defense that remain in Minnesota. After this deadline, they didn't trade Adam Thielen. They still have Justin Jefferson. I think Kirk Cousins is good enough to get the job done and win this game against the Detroit Lions, where we head to Washington, where the football team hosts the New York Giants. Do, do we have to talk about this game? Um, I'm going to pick the Giants just because they, they impressed me. Really, they did on... Uh, Monday Night Football. I thought Danny Dimes played good enough. Their defense certainly showed up and looked ready to play. J just for the sake of things, man, give me the Giants on the road because they look like they're picking up steam. Joe Judge, I, I can't buy into him. Dan again, Daniel Jones, I can't buy into him either. But I, I think New York could do enough to win this football game against the football team who uh, just can't trust them either. That, that's the prison inmate game of the week. That's going to be on all the prison televisions where we head to Jacksonville where the Houston Texans come to town and the Jacksonville Jaguar is likely without or not likely definitely without Gardner Minshew for this game and I'm actually gonna pick the Jags here I think Mike Glennon in Jacksonville or if that's even the starter they also were saying not to count out the rookie I believe it'll be Mike Glennon on Sunday though I'm gonna pick the Jags in this one just because Houston has to go to Florida uh, Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, who knows what the morale of the Texan of the Texans look like. Will Fuller was rumored and reported to really be close to going on the move to head to Green Bay to play with the Packers. I, I wonder what morale looks like in Houston. And a blow on the road to Jacksonville would not bode well for the Texans, who, of course, after the bye, will play the Cleveland Browns. That's a game to keep your eye on if you're a Browns fan. I, I know it's a random game, but I, I'm going to keep be keeping my eye on that one. Where we head to the brand new SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California, where the Los Angeles Chargers play host to the Las Vegas Raiders, two teams that have moved cities recently. Give me the Chargers in this one. They broke my heart last week. Justin Herbert, I was all aboard the hype train. I still am. Vegas beat the Browns, but I still don't think they're that good of a team. They, they had that Hunter Renfro phantom touchdown where there wasn't uh, conclusive evidence to see if that ball popped out. Josh Jacobs against the fraudulent Browns defense and the, the defensive front ran wild. I don't think that happens against the Chargers, and I'm picking the Chargers to win this game at home where we head to Jerry World. And we're heading to Jerry World because the Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated are going to play the Dallas Cowboys possibly without Ben DiNucci obviously they lose Dak they lose Andy Dalton concussion protocol then gets COVID-19 Ben DiNucci plays horribly on Thursday Night Football in primetime and they might start Garrett Gilbert the former Browns backup straight off the practice squad in Jerry World in front of their fans at home against the unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Oh, dear Lord. My heart is going to give out on me, but I have to pick the Steelers. I mean, I mean, come on. Dallas is a mess at, at the quarterback position. And I don't know what they're going to do because, you know, oh, they're, they're just in for a rough year. They'll get a good pick. Maybe it'll be a 49ers type situation where you had a bad year where you only win three games. You draft Nick Boza next year, you're in the Super Bowl. Maybe hold on to that type of hope, Dallas, because this game against the unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers defense, if you're starting, you know, Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert, the, the other guy that you got in Dallas, ah, that's bad. We head to Arizona where the Cardinals host the Miami Dolphins. Tua looked good enough in his first game. Um, obviously, it helps when you get a defensive touchdown followed by an 88-yard punt return to the house. So that definitely gave the Dolphins a spark. I think Ryan Flores is a great coach for Miami. I think Tua will work out there enough to prove that he's the guy for the Dolphins. Unfortunately for him in this game, I'm a bigger believer in Kyler Murray. It's his second year. The D-hop connection has looked good. And Cliff Kingsbury has looked good in his second season, quite frankly. He's everything that we kind of hoped Freddie would be. And that offense seems to be clicking. So I'm going to take the Cardinals in that one in our last 425 spot where we head to Sunday night football. Finally, we, we deal with some horrible games. Not horrible, but some unfavorable, not really a whole lot of fun type of games. During the 4 o'clock and the 1 o'clock slates, we finally get blessed with Sunday night football where the Saints travel to Tampa Bay and Brady hosts Breeze. Obviously, they're tied for that all-time touchdown record. I'm picking Brady at home in this one. Drew Breeze is really good. I need to see him get the ball down the field. Michael Thomas could possibly be back for the Saints for this game. Something to keep your eye on. But I think Brady wins. I do. I, he, he's just too good. How can I pick, how can I pick against Tom? Where in this one... Monday Night Football, uh, man, poor poor Bill, poor Bill Belichick, two-win team, New England Patriots, head to New York to play the Jets. Listen, the Jets blow. I, I don't know why they're on primetime. I don't know how that happened. I'm excited to watch Cam Newton and Bill Belichick and the Patriots on primetime. I feel like they've been given the short end of the stick this year. They're better than advertised, but I'm going to pick them in this game because, man, the Jets, the Jets are just miserable, and I cannot pick them. <laughs> at all so yeah give me the patriots there all right guys thank you so much for hanging out what a fun hour it has been um blazed by i, I truly hope that i was able to give you an escape from the world for a little bit and regardless what happens on tv with the election regardless of what happens you know during the bye week with the browns you know what happens in the streets whatever presidential election is picked and all the chaos that ensues with that. One thing that I want you to take take into tonight is you can only do your part. And that's where I'm at in this world is if you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if we treat everybody with the same kindness, the same respect, the same smile, a smile goes a long way. The world will be an improved place. Whatever happens in Washington, D.C., whatever happens all throughout the world you can only do what you can do, but and what you can do is just make your world a better place, make your office a better place, make your household a better place. That neighbor that you've seen outside and you, you haven't even waved to or said hello to, wave hello, strike up a conversation about the Browns, tell them that you listen to this fantastic podcast. 
You know, you know what I mean? If you see somebody in the grocery store that drops something, pick it up for them. If somebody's short in the Starbucks line, you know, pay for their coffee. We could only do what we could do to make this world a better place. And, that, and that's what I want to leave you with today. We're going to get through this together. Coronavirus, election, everything else. Super anxious time right now. I'm glad I played my part and I hope I was able to entertain everyone tonight. This has been another episode of Padone My Take presented by BigPlay.com. If you haven't checked us out yet on demand, make sure to do that. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you're listening to us on there, smash that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review write a nice comment that helps us out so much it helps us bring fantastic guests like bob vance thank you guys so much for hanging out as chief of staff kelly brownson said for the browns it's not about how many breaths you take throughout your life it's about the amount of moments in life that take your breaths away go do something fun love you guys so much 